It's me, Brad, from Saturate. I'm excited about this episode. It's going to be a good one. Ben Connolly and I talk about the role of equipping in this season and why it's important. A big piece of this is just a calling out to to pastors and missional community leaders to not forsake the equipping and the development of people during this quarantine, shelter-in-place, medical and economic crisis. We spend a lot of time talking about that as well as some practical ways to be equipped in that. Uh, One of the things we talk about is the Gospel Fluency Handbook and the video series that goes alongside of it totally believe that this resource would be really helpful to a bunch of people. The other thing I wanted to share before we get into this episode is we have created a page on our website for COVID-19. We don't really exactly know what to call it other than resources for the church during a pandemic. This page has all of these resources that we've been combing through the last couple weeks and we think, man, these would be really helpful in this kind of moment for just that, equipping the saints, really helpful for disciples and their personal walk with Jesus, really helpful for parents, really helpful for church leaders. Uh, It's just the resources that we think this is most applicable right now and it would be really helpful. So we hope you check that out. Uh, go to saturatetheworld.com. It's on the landing page. It'll take you there. Also under our resources page, uh, you'll find a link to the page that's completely dedicated to that. And and we hope to add more to that in the coming weeks. So without anything else to share, besides going to our website and checking out that new page, uh, let's dive into today's episode. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and I have Ben Connolly with me today, and we're going to be talking about how to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, even when we're quarantined or sheltering in place or whatever your local government wants to call it. Ben, thanks for joining us. Brad, I'm honored to be here. And my local government, because I live in Fort Worth, Texas, is calling it Y'all Stay Home. <laughs> so that's, I a that's effective. It's, you know, we're a simple folk. And so yeah. <laughs> shelter in place is little little heady for us. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's already been shelter in place here. People have already found the loophole in Mm. in Los Angeles. Like, well, I am sheltering in this place. It's the basketball court. This is where I was when I found out. Yeah. It's pretty great. (laughs) So as long as they never leave the basketball court. Right. Yeah. Well, then they, when they they leave the basketball court and they're like, no, no, I'm sheltering in place (laughs) at the barbershop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, though now there's, I mean, companies and businesses are getting citations for being open and stuff like that. But our parking tickets are no longer, we're not getting any parking tickets now. So that's what LA is doing to help us all out financially, right. which is huge. Anyway, Ben, glad you're here. And I'm excited to talk about uh, equipping the saints, which is, is, there's a big urgency to it, I think. Because we figured out how to do live stream Sundays, but what about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry? Yeah. Isn't that still kind of on our role description? 
as leaders in local churches? Yeah, I assume that's rhetorical. Um, it, is, <laughs> it is certainly no less on our role description uh, than it was when, you know, the Spirit inspired Paul to write that 2,000 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Or than it was before we all went into the all-stay-home season. Um, yeah. If anything, I, I feel, and you feel, and I know that many folks who are listening to this likely feel that uh, the urgency around equipping the saints is is, is heightened at this mm-hmm. point. Um, even if we can't see folks with nearly the regularity, or maybe in some cases in some churches can't see our folks at all, we know that either you know, either nothing is happening out there or there's an even greater need for us to make sure that discipleship is happening and shifting more to the front lines. Right. Because we can't see people as as regularly. Right. And then for a lot of us, it kind of pushes to the surface the fact that maybe we really haven't been that much. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think you can really get into that groove of, of pulling off Sundays or even pulling off your weekly missional community meeting or whatnot. Yeah. And, and kind of be like, oh, did we really equip people to obey the commands of Jesus? And then trying to do so now does have some challenges, like you were saying too. One other thought on that is I've seen a lot of pastors, even I'll put myself included, kind of rushing towards the shepherding needs that exist, which are real, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, like, oh, we have a lot of people struggling with anxiety, isolation, loneliness, depression. We also have people that financial loss of jobs, all of those things. I think there's a possibility that what we can do is, as leaders in the church is just say, well, I'll do all of the work of the ministry, right. which is kind of our, has been our default in the church for a long time anyway, yeah. which is not the same as like, what if we equipped our the people in our church to shepherd uh, and care for people and speak the truths of Jesus into their lives? What if we helped people think proactively on caring for the poor amongst us? What if we, you know, train them up to, you know, follow Jesus's commands actually creates a more sustainable operation across the board. So it's like wisdom and like biblical have tos maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's always the challenge, right? And, and even more so kind of in the, the culture that we, and I say we, I'm, I'm speaking in a generality, but we as Americans, uh, me in the South still feel more than, you know, either coast or a lot of the world does, uh, just assuming that, you know, it's, it's stuff we talk about all the time. It just happens to be heightened in this coronavirus season. Mm-hmm. Um, the assumption is that if I go to church, my pastor will preach to me and then I can kind of check the box and go home. Um, and if I need something, my pastor's got to be on call. But if I have, if I have a financial need, I go to quote the church as an organization and, and do whatever mm-hmm. the benevolent process is. And it's this kind of Kind of, it's. I think it's showing that there is a wider gap than a lot of us even realize between quote the the organization or not to beat a dead horse, but like the the quote clergy laity divide or the 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 doing the work of ministry that is limited to a staff or leadership team, mm-hmm. while the rest of the church is left to consume. I, I wonder if we're seeing some of that. Just yeah. be more even in this season where it feels like there's more needs and more urgency and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that can 
that leads to like, yeah, definitely a sense of overwhelmness of, oh, there's probably people out there that are experiencing things that I don't know about and I need to know about them and, you know, (laughs) so that I can meet those needs and, and it's not, it's not feasible. I mean, I mean, maybe it is depending on how, how large your church is, but yeah, if it's over 20, that's going to be real hard to keep tabs on. Well, and I just think of even, you know, so I've I've gotten to talk with a few churches who are larger and a lot of their staff's roles kind of can't exist in this season. And Mm -hmm. so even, even thinking of, you know, going from whether it's shepherding or equipping or just checking in on church members who maybe haven't heard of heard from their leaders in a long time or that kind of stuff. Like some of the, some of the wiser churches whose staff are going, what am I supposed to do with my time now? It's not even necessarily thinking of like, Oh, how, how can the the newest person or the youngest believer in our church play a part in this new season of, of care and shepherding and walking alongside and Mm -hmm. meeting needs and rejoicing and, and weeping it's, it's, it's really even some of the folks right around us haven't really been tasked with mm-hmm. actual coaching or caring or, you know, mm-hmm. shepherding or, 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 or filling needs or that kind of stuff. And so it's really neat to see this. There's a lot about the season that is obviously not really neat. <laughs> so one of, one of the neat things is that it is, you know, turning folks toward a priority of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Even if their staff role hasn't been that, um, yeah. And then, and then, yes. Let's also go to the newest believer, or the newest member of our church, and go, "Hey, you actually have a part here to play too, right?" And so, it really is. It has the potential to be this really, I don't know, like a fresh, a fresh glimpse into Romans twelve and First Corinthians twelve that that says, like, no, really, every every member of the body is truly, actually, right. Maybe we feel it more tangibly vital in this season. Right. Uh, and we have an opportunity to help those thrive in, in their giftings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is another rhetorical question, <laughs> which is uh, what happens if we don't equip disciples for two months or two and a half months? Like the, the expectation here in LA is at the end of May, mm-hmm. we'll be able to do gatherings of 10 people or less again. Um, that's pretty similar to, I think the expectations in New York, mm-hmm. uh, and it will probably eventually everywhere in the United States, will have some season in which they're two and a half months in quarantine. Uh, yeah. it seems to be the basic pattern globally. So what if I, I think there's a temptation for pastors to say, Hey, we're entering this quarantine time. Mm-hmm. We're just going to try to do some live stream thing on Sundays and then we'll try to pick it all up when we get back. What's the the danger there of not taking your foot off the equipping pedal? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of things could happen. I think most, most probably what would happen is we would have, gosh, I'm thinking two and a half months. That's a long time to not, to not be equipping folks, isn't it? I think that we would have leaders well, folks that we've given the title of leader to, whether missional community or small group or Sunday school class even or whatever it else it is, if, if we cease from equipping them or even just kind of maintain the, the status quo where we're kind of giving them a list of questions to ask maybe or that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, I think what's going to happen is you have, you're going to have folks who are somewhat disenfranchised and, and, and going, man, I, I wish that I would have been led better, led more. Um, and then we'll probably have, you know, 
10, 12, maybe 20 folks around us who feel really well shepherded and cared for, because that's kind of the folks that we have capacity for, that any individual has capacity for. And then a lot of folks who are going to feel the opposite of that. And, yeah. and they might not, you know, say that they might not, quote unquote, go anywhere. They might, you know, come back to our gatherings mm-hmm. when we can. But I think we lose this this really sweet opportunity to to deploy to equip and deploy the saints for the work of ministry, mm-hmm. and we end up kind of affirming what some of them already feel is just that like, yeah, I can come, I can listen, I can leave, I can be done. Right. The other, as I'm saying this though, the other danger though, Brad, and, and I think that this doesn't apply to. I hope it applies to not very many churches at all, but mm-hmm. it's in my mind. The other thing that could happen is that that people don't feel like anything has changed. Because the level of equipping, if, if we take the, the foot off the gas pedal for equipping for two and a half months, that could feel like no change to, mm. to many people who, right. who don't know that they've been equipped well for the yeah. five years before that or whatever. Right. Yeah, this, this question has me thinking about, like, what if the virus was different, just thought experiment-wise? Mm-hmm. And it was small groups, tiny groups of people, like 10 people or less was the most dangerous, but thousands were great. Would there be any like urgency in, oh my gosh, we need to figure out how to help disciples one-on-one, one in 12, like grow up in the faith? Like they're what, like it's, you know, several weeks ago, the urgency of like, I got to figure out how to do live stream and I got to know how to do lifechurch.tv, which it was fascinating, you know, like people sharing resources, like how do we do this? Would there be that same kind of urgency if we're like, no, like small groups are banned, large groups are fine. Um, And I think that definitely does reveal some of like where we're putting our energy into anyway. Yeah. 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 You're saying like, would we, would we scramble to the same level of urgency if we mm-hmm. had to find creative ways for our smaller groups to be discipled? Right. Yeah. 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 And I think that that kind of reveals some of our two and a half months without equipping saints. And like, and by that, I think we mean like teaching people how to share the gospel to one another, uh, how to operate under the lens of the whole story of God, knowing how to be generous, knowing how to be a servant, knowing how to worship, how to pray, how to like, yeah, grow in their love for Jesus, grow in their love for one another. If you cut that off and you stop doing that, like people will be equipped in something else. Yeah. Right. You know, like they'll be equipped in whatever that tiger show is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be yeah. equipped. They'll be equipped in rage or they'll be equipped in anxiety. They'll be equipped in like how to parent their kids with an iPad to survive, not how to parent their kids with like a view towards the the child's thriving or flourishing. So yeah, big stakes yeah, here, Ben. There are, it's, it's a, <laughs> turns out it's a big deal. Who knew? Who knew? Um, yeah. I mean, cause you're right, Brad. Cause, cause the bottom line is we're all being discipled by someone or something. And there's, there's no, we talked about this as a, as a, church leadership team, our, our saturate team has talked about this. Like there's no shortage of information or resources that are just forming this cacophony from, from every corner, corner of the internet. They're going to find kind of versions of 
what they should be paying attention to, versions of how they should be living, versions of how they should be responding. And so really, I think the the, the big question for this moment for church leaders, for, for missional community leaders, for households, whether it's with roommates or, or families with you know parents and kids or that kind of stuff, but the big question is, how are we discipling people? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you're listening to this, you've been around saturate for a while. I mean, we talk we talk so often about discipleship and the everyday stuff of life, and mm-hmm. you know, peer to peer discipleship, discipleship in community, discipleship on mission. These are these are common phrases, but it's a it's just you know describing the Christian life as we see it in the scriptures, and b yeah. it feels like it's a really poignant time to go. Do we actually believe? Yeah, everyday women and men can be the primary disciples of one another. Yeah, maybe with a little help. And certainly some folks are going to need help with that. But they feel this and people are, you know, whenever there's an urgent need, people will come forward, whether it's, you know, someone passing away. If, if you've experienced that, you know that for the first few weeks, everybody's offering to bring you meals and, and totally. Empathy. And then after a couple of weeks, the, the chance kind of goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, people kind of settle in and forget about it. And I think on a broader scale, we're seeing this kind of people are feeling yeah. the urgency and are going, I would love to step in and help. And some of us are going, great, let's equip you for it. And others of us are going, no, I think we've got this. Right. Right. Which then I think that kind of sets up the question really well. Like, how do you, people are like, no, I want to step into it. And I want to equip people. You know, how do you do that right now? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe like, what's the most, what's the best thing to equip people in? And then how do you do that? I think, I think hands down, the most important thing we can do to equip folks is to pay attention to the leaders that we already have, give them more resourcing, give them more time. We have so much more time on our hands as church leaders that may be unfair. It may not feel like we have more time on our hands, but there is, to your point, Brad, there's this massive rush toward how do we get everything online? Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly there's no end to the busyness that we can fill our time with, but are folks feeling connected? Are folks feeling communicated with? Are folks feeling cared for? And are folks feeling equipped and deployed? Like, let's prioritize those things. Um, mm-hmm. Let's put all of our, you know, normal... 40 to however many hour a week job descriptions aside and and go, what if we just really prioritized giving time and resourcing to the leaders we have? Mm -hmm. And then, and then second asking them, who are they seeing who, who in their group is the person who's, you know, stepping up in this season and and trying to own things and that kind of stuff. The, The more time we can give, the more, resources we can give to the folks who are raising their hand and saying, I want to be equipped, Mm -hmm. especially those who haven't, but they see this as like a short-term deal and they actually think they have a part to play. Let's just say yes to those people. And that may sound overly simplistic, but, but giving time and giving resources and we can dive into some of what that, that could look like. But, but I think as a principle, let's, let's actually give our priority in this season where we're all locked down give our time toward resourcing and and equipping to the disciples who are saying, I want that. Yeah. That's a fantastic principle. Yeah. And and it's proven out pretty well. Like this last several weeks, so many people I've spent time with over the phone or on FaceTime within our body have been those people that are like, Hey, how do I, how do I mobilize the church to make masks for people? So they don't, we don't have to use medical masks or, 
you know, how do we help this lady who is living in her car, but it's also part of our community? How do we do all of these things? And, and it's basically a lot of times not trying to give people the answers, but trying to help them think through the answers they already know. Um, yeah. Which is just kind of on the spot coaching, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, our church and, and many others, I don't know what, what your church is doing, but but our church and many others are, instead of having a monthly or even quarterly leader meeting, you know, they're having weekly leader huddles now. And, and yeah, and, and sometimes that's guided discussion. Here's, you know, here's what, what our leaders are learning and, and how you can implement that. Sometimes it's just, what do you guys need from us right now? Um, and sometimes those are tangible things or logistical things. Can you get me a Zoom link? And teach me best practices for, you know, putting a beach background behind me. Cause that's a thing that people do on zoom now, um, uh, to, to, to spiritual things, you know, this person in my group is needing this and I don't know how to meet that need. And, and, and those are the kinds of things we're able to come alongside. And again, there's a moment there. And frankly, if, if I can be really honest, some some pastors, some some pastor listening to this right now is like, yeah, but if I let someone do that for me, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And in a moment where we can't feel kind of validated in our roles, that's that's a scary question. But we have an opportunity in every one of those moments to go like, oh, that person has that need. Yeah, you can send it to me, and I'll take care of them. Or we can go, you know what? Here's how I would walk them through that, and do even a little bit of role play to give them some experience in walking someone through a shepherding conversation. Not all of that can be given away, sure. And different people are able to manage those conversations in winsome and thoughtful ways and others can't. But also, we all learn best when we try things and even fail sometimes. And use the elder, use the pastor, use the leader there to catch them when they fall. And you can always circle back and go, you know what? I'm Brad and I gave Ben this shot and Ben blew it, but I'm, I'm going to come along behind him and, uh, and tell you what Ben should have said. Which is, yeah, that's so, uh, allowed. <laughs> yeah. And then I think one kind of plug I would give is some, like the backbone of, of what I think disciples need to be equipped in regardless mm-hmm. of season is how to interpret the world through the lens of the gospel, even yeah. interpret their own lives. And then learning how to like apply the gospel and speak it or live it out in, in their daily lives through the, all of the beauty and the facets of what Jesus did and his life, death and resurrection. Yeah. And I do think that there's, there is a low hanging fruit for people to, to use right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called the gospel fluency handbook, which I I've thought about, like if I was in charge back then, I think I would have called it like gospel fluency boot camp because mm-hmm. it's not a Bible study. There's a video series where Jeff talks about whatever the topic is. There's some good questions. There's some reading. There's some interpretation that people would do on their own. And then there's a lot of like just straight up exercises, practical stuff, like a boot camp. Then you're ready to actually go into the world and do think, speak the gospel, interpret the world through the gospel as a gut reaction. Just like, I mean, I love Band of Brothers a ton. That's common (laughs) knowledge. But, uh, you know, the first episode is their boot camp experience and they're doing these drills over and over again and they're practicing with one another and they're doing all this stuff so that when they actually parachute into Normandy, they're not thinking, what am I supposed to do? They just know it. Exactly. And and man, there's, there's some real low hanging fruit to do gospel fluency 
right. uh, handbook right now. That's that would be my number one recommendation to people. Yeah, I, I I think it's a good resource. I feel biased in saying that, of course, but um, but it is. And and to your point, like there's there's this again this decision moment of it's, it's more of a subconscious moment of going like, hey, we talk about gospel fluency and we talk about how the gospel applies to even things like fear and anxiety and losing loved ones and this kind of stuff in kind of a non-heightened time. And that, and that either becomes for us like something that just gets left behind when, oh, all of a sudden everything's heightened and urgent. How do we respond? Or we can look back and go, oh, we've actually been rehearsing this, to your point about Band of Brothers. Like we've been practicing this and practicing it and practicing it. Mm-hmm. Not so we could just leave behind what what is our our experience, but so that we can bring that experience into these moments. So we've had so many more honest moments, even in our own community um, over the past couple of weeks, just getting on Zoom and checking in. And on one hand, you know, having someone go like, I didn't realize how much I needed this until we all got on here. And just the the relief of seeing sisters and brothers mm. on the screen meant more than I, than I thought it would. So one person yeah. and another, they're asking like, what's, what, what's helpful in this season, what's not. One of them goes, my job has been really helpful because mm-hmm. she hadn't at that point been sent home yet. And so, you know, she's filling her day and, and this kind of stuff. And there's this really good moment where she goes, but you know what? I also know that my job is enabling me to have a distraction. And when it gets taken away, because she knew that she'd eventually be sent home, she goes, she goes, it'll feel, I know it'll feel like the place that I put my hope got taken away. Mm-hmm. And, and then we got to, to walk her through that. You know, she realized it herself, so we didn't have to do much work in the gospel fluency. But yeah, but yeah sh- shepherding people's hearts and equipping people to shepherd their hearts, it was this really sweet thing. Our community's had those conversations for, for a couple of years. And so when she said that, I just kind of got to sit back and watch other people start to pipe up of like, well, you know, yeah. like, you don't. You don't have to hold tightly because there is someone who who's in control, and so mm-hmm. our trust of God can let us let go. And work doesn't have to be a, a distraction; we can steward it well until we don't have it. And then the day that you get sent home, call all of us and we'll remind you of other things. Absolutely, which is I think, yeah. If there's anything people could like use their quarantine to equip their church in, it would be that sort of thing. Because I think what you see. Without that, even to answer a question earlier, like, what if we don't use this time to equip the saints? You would see like, oh my gosh, that stinks. You lost your job. Oh, like that's, that would be the end of it, which is not the same as like, man, that does stink. That's terrible. Ah, also like, let's interpret a little bit more. Let's like ask a few more questions. Like how, you know, where you get to the like, yeah, it's, I'm mostly bummed, not because of lack of provision, but because I felt meaningful and hopeful through it. It's right. Like, oh, couldn't you, does, does Jesus make you give more meaning or more hope than just yeah. a job? And that's, that's the power of that, that practice that actually shapes people and points people to Jesus yeah. in really loving winsome ways and you do you got to practice it and and yeah you are biased but that that resource is is money and <laughs> it is available in the membership <laughs> uh so for the price of the book you could get the membership so there's that yeah. and the the videos and everything that go along with it make it pretty easy to to guide a group of people through the exercises where they begin to connect those dots it's pretty 
it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. One, one more question, you know, technicalities, you know, um, how do we do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd love for you to give some insight into this because if, if folks don't know, uh, Soma LA, they've been, they've been using Zoom for equipping leaders and meetings and conversations since long before COVID hit. Um, mm-hmm. It's reality of long commutes and lots of traffic and late nights and that kind of stuff for a lot of folks in the entertainment industry. They've, they've had to learn that too. So, but I think, one of the things that I think we've been surprised by in, in my own experience is the ability to create meaningful connections, even if you can't be in, in actual proximity to each other. Um, I mean, again, like the, the person yeah. who said, like, I realized how much I needed to see your faces until we got mm-hmm. on here. Like, yeah, there's, there's no, you know, there's, there's no chance that a online meeting um, can feel like a, a group of folks sitting around in your living room. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean honesty has to go away. It doesn't mean vulnerability has to go away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to to lighten the the kind of questions or stay on the surface anymore. Right. One thing that I've realized or thought like in in person discipleship has always been vital. But even the the very letters of the New Testament mm-hmm. um, were were a means of communicating truths about discipleship and ministry and mission from someone who is miles and miles away. Oh yeah. And, and then, the epistle was the original Zoom call? The epistle was the original Zoom call, right? <laughs> nope. Um, but just realizing, like, like th- those are forms of discipleship, too. And so, like, the, yeah. the delivery method matters so far less than the actual content of the conversations. Mm. And, I mean, you even see Paul go, like, if, if I was with you, this would, be, this would be different. I would address you in this tone. I would this kind of thing. Right. And he has to kind of qualify that. And right. the sense in which, like, we, we bring that into Zoom meetings. Like, mm-hmm. if you're sitting here or over the phone or over email, especially, like, tone can get lost or that kind of stuff. And so we can yeah. either shy away and keep things more surfacey or this kind of stuff, or we can go, hey, this is awkward. Um, yeah. And we all wish we were sitting around together, but the the content of discipleship, the speaking to the heart, the mm-hmm. whether it's in a community or from leaders to other leaders or whatever else, like the the content doesn't have to go away. Just because totally, so good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really great big principle to apply to it, and even making those qualifications. Like, yeah, I'd probably give you a hug, but we can't. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't. And yeah. then I think, yeah, just from our experience, you know, like the third wall that you have to break through really is vulnerability and making it a space where people can be honest. Mm-hmm. And then the other part, I think, is being really focused with your time together and just acknowledging that that is different. So like you said, we've been doing, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, virtual coaching and trainings for a long time. And we we have people do pre-reading or pre-watching or listening to a podcast uh, and doing some personal reflection before they even come. And then when they're on the calls, we're we're going through some real like, yeah, specific questions to try to to make the most of it, uh, to make the most of the time where we're, we're trying to train people or trying to process their communities. And we lean a lot on the shared learning of the other people. So one of the best ways people learn is by teaching somebody else mm-hmm. in a group chat with like 10 other leaders, you know, allowing leaders to try to care for or instruct 
the other leaders gives them a chance to teach and, and apply the content that we just talked about. It also gives them the space to fail. I mean, you'd be like, yeah, that was a big swing in the miss, Bobby. No, they don't need to work harder. Try more. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, ask your job. put your hope in unemployment. Right. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're gonna get. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you put your hope in your savings, but it's, I think that that's, that's kind of the beauty of it is it is a pretty safe space to do that. I think mm-hmm. you do want to allow vulnerability to break through quicker than you, because there's a lot of interpersonal things like, yeah, someone's posture, the closeness of bodies, you know, that kind of creates relational intimacy that you can't get with just a, you know, headshot, but, but the actual content and listening, like, I mean, we've, we've consistently seen it be really helpful and fruitful and beneficial to people in our church. And I think that, yeah, those are, those are probably the big, the big principles. And like, as the leaders, one of the things that gets in the way sometimes is when a group of 10 people, if everyone's muted the whole time, it does make it really strange. So sometimes as a leader, I'm like, hey, we're, there's not that many of us. It's not loud. No one's kids are awake. Let's all unmute so we can laugh, you know, and hear each other's laughs and, and do all of that stuff. Like yeah. there are times where it's like, hey, we should mute because people are making noise and they're in their car or whatever. But generally trying to keep the groups smaller so that you can allow that kind of interaction to happen. And just even practically, we have three different nights that people can sign up for to get the coaching. And that makes our groups 10 people or so um, on the calls. Yeah. Which like we said, yeah, which we would do if there's quarantine or not because of the logistics of life. But um, it's, it's very, um, very worthwhile. Yeah. And and I think one thing just to, I know we're we're coming toward the the end of the time, but, but just back to an equipping principle, one of the things you mentioned, I just want to come back to, because I think it's pretty vital for us in this season. Those calls aren't just, or, or any equipping can't just be, Hey, I'm the expert. Let me tell you this. Okay. We Mm -hmm. go, let's pray and be done. Like you said, like giving each other the ability to teach each other and correct, Similar as we'd be working, similar ideas we'd be working through some sort of, you know, here's a situation, Bobby, since you use the name Bobby, um, <laughs> I'm assuming he's kind of a straw man, but you know, Bobby, straw, not a real Bobby. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But hi, Bobby, whoever you are out there, um, you're, you're good at discipleship now. Bobby, here's a, here's a scenario. Mm-hmm. What would you do in this scenario? And, and having, having that conversation is a really helpful thing in the group environment, not just because you get to learn from each other, but because it actually asks Bobby mm-hmm. um, to, to, to do the things that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's one of the, that's one of the questions we have. Are we going to continue to own the responsibility and authority for everyone? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to let some of that responsibility go? Even some of the authority go, um, which is risky, right? Yeah. Bobby might botch it in real time. Um, but I, I, I mean, you see Jesus talk about this in some of the parables even, you know, to, he, he gave the, the talents to different folks and one of them utterly squandered them. Um, yeah. And it was a risk that the, the, the landowner and the, and the talent owner took. The other three didn't though and, and got right. to celebrate. Look, you can actually do this. And so I think there's something to, making sure that we're not just giving content, but, but taking time Absolutely. to practice and to exercise um, some of the things we're asking folks to lead out in. 
Oh yeah. And I mean, case studies are so good, which is even something you can give people beforehand. Like someone just lost their job yeah, and their marriage is having a hard time. How do you show them the love of Jesus? How do you speak to them the love of Jesus yeah. and like have people come and give their answers? And it's, I, my experience has been people screw it up a lot less than we think. Absolutely. Yeah. They mostly just need to be told like your voice matters mm-hmm. and your voice is important and you actually have what it takes. Now there's yeah. some nuances and things that, that need to be shaped out, but just like there really aren't that many heresies in the world, you know, <laughs> like there really aren't. Sometimes I think we imagine that there's a ton back there. There's not a whole lot of ways that people can fully like screw it up. So, right. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when people know how to speak the gospel <laughs> and live out the, the implications of the gospel. Even, even to, to to tie up the the idea that that we as leaders need the gospel just as much. Like some, mm. some of the things that our leaders need to be reminded of is, yeah, you know what? There's times when when even even I, quote unquote, who've been pastoring people for a couple of decades, like there's times when I feel inadequate as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it turns out we're, we're pretty weak and we don't always have the answer. And, and, and that's okay. Giving them the freedom to go, hey, a lot of discipleship and a lot of even applying the gospel to other people starts with just listening well mm-hmm. um, and, and drawing out the heart. Again, stuff that we talk about a lot in peacetime, but actually applying it to wartime. A lot of it starts with listening well, and then a lot of it is just going, hey, and, and for yourself, as you lead this, just remember that your weakness is made perfect by, by, by the Lord's strength. And so, yeah, you may feel inadequate to the task, but the, but the Lord is going to lead you and the Spirit is going to guide you and the gospel is true, whether you, quote, get it right or not. And that's just freeing to some folks. That is so freeing to people, 100%. Yeah, and so good. And I think that's the beauty of it, as leaders then begin to experience the gospel. Yeah. Uh, is the best way to learn. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, Ben. Thanks for this conversation. Super good. I hope people are encouraged by it. And uh, yeah, and we're all thinking about everyone as they survive Corona and, and experience this. So yeah, thanks for joining me, Ben. And thanks everyone for listening in. Thanks, Brad. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.